Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a jam-packed Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Of course, it is a football Friday. A very fascinating test awaits the New York Jets after their win in Denver last Sunday. We'll get to the Jets in their matchup with the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. We will get to the Giants, who are monstrous underdogs. Biggest underdog on the board. In week six, with all sorts of uncertainty at quarterback, on the offensive line, and Saquon Barkley, and on and on we go. But I have been chirping about this a little bit on Twitter, if you follow me. And if you don't, I mean, shame on you. You're missing some great fun at John underscore Jastrzemski. But this week, to me, in many ways in baseball, has been, like, eye-opening is Everything about what these two franchises have been over the last seven years is eye-opening. But I want to remind you of something. Remember when you have to hear Brian Cashman, and I'm sure you're going to, maybe it's next week, maybe it's after the World Series, whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm sure he's going to lecture people like you and I about the fact that, oh, the playoffs is such a crapshoot. Anything can happen. Look at what happened to the teams in our division. Look at teams like the Dodgers and 
the, the Baltimore Orioles that can't even go and win a game in the division series. And it's just, it, it's just so hard to win. Whenever you hear that and you understand and you're aware of what the Yankee standard may be, remind the general manager and remind anyone who's trying to make that point to you. Hey, guess what, numb nuts? The Houston Astros are going to the American League Championship Series for, wait for it, the seventh consecutive year since 2017, which seems like a lifetime ago in Yankee land. Think about what has transpired for the Yankees, the Astros, the sport, your life, whatever, in that time period. Every single one of those years, the Houston Astros have been a part of the ALCS. That's what they do. And even after a massive cheating scandal and losing players and losing big name players, their old school legend, OG manager, Dusty Baker, who I can't get enough of. I want to go and have a beer with Dusty Baker. I want to go and have a beer with Bruce Bochy while I'm at it. I got to see those two guys, those stalwarts, those future Hall of Famers, lead their teams to the American League Championship Series. So if you're going to tell me baseball is a crapshoot now, hey, Brian, as you mull everything that the Yankees are mulling as far as their, their changes and the subtle changes, according to Hal Steinbrenner. I mean, can the Yankees and Hal Steinbrenner get it more wrong when it comes to PR, when it comes to knowing and understanding their fan base? How cool is it, the Yankees? I say it to them blue in the face, and, and I see some of you apologists out there on Twitter. I know who you are. Oh, JJ, all you do is complain. You're a spoiled 93 brat. Ba, ba, ba. Puff! Yeah, I am spoiled. Yeah, I do hold the Yankees to a much different standard than some of these mediocre teams throughout baseball. Yeah, I do. Is there a crime in that? I, I, I guess to you folks, there might be. But when I hear about the subtle changes, about changing the clubhouse, about changing the dining spread, the Yankees have the worst season since 1992. They were unwatchable for the last seven weeks of the year. And I got to hear this numbnuts owner talking about changing the clubhouse. Give me a freaking break. You wonder why the Astros are the Astros. And you wonder why the Yankees are the Yankees at this point in time. Take a look at me. Take a, uh, get a sense and get a feel. Oh, it's, it's nauseating and insufferable. And... As you get ready for the ALCS, which is going to be a phenomenal series, and it's probably going to piss a whole lot of New Yorkers off because you're going to see Justin Verlander. You might see Max Scherzer. You're going to see Jordan Montgomery. You're going to see Araldis Chapman. You're going to see the Astros, who are your daddy. And I'm sure most of you, I know myself, finding themselves in this particular camp, going to be rooting hard for the Texas Rangers. You'll be watching this ALCS and seeing these two managers. And I know the Yankees' biggest problem is with their owner and their GM and it's trickle-down with the manager. But when I hear from many of you, when you defend the subpar Yankee manager, Aaron Boone, talking about the idea that a manager doesn't matter, I counter and say, oh, really? 
What about the Astros and what about the Rangers? I think their managers matter, do they not? The Astros, yes. Dusty Baker walked into a very talented clubhouse. At the same time, it was a clubhouse that was falling apart at the seams. Cheating scandal, COVID, everything that came with it. They continued to win, win, and win. Manager gets credit for that, right? I honestly does. Not every manager would have been able to kind of orchestrate and keep that sort of situation together the way he was able to keep it together. He deserves enormous credit for that. Bochy, the Rangers, yeah, all right, so they're going to add Ovaldi in the offseason. They added DeGrom, he pitched for like two weeks and then blew out his elbow and he's been done for the year. The Texas Rangers won nothing last year. The Texas Rangers have been doing a whole lot of losing for the last six or seven years. I mean, they haven't won big in reality since the ball went over Nelson Cruz's glove. Uh, what was it? In, in 2011. I know they mixed in a playoff appearance or two, but you get my drift. Bochi comes in and all of a sudden they're four wins away from the World Series. What am I getting at here? When you tell me the manager doesn't matter, you know what my example is going to be? Anytime you guys bring that up or you gals bring that up, Bruce Bochi, Dusty Baker, I rest my case. I rest my case. No coincidence, those two legends are finding their way to the American League Championship Series this season. Just a little food for thought. Meanwhile, the Yankees are more concerned about what they're going to be eating in the clubhouse. And they're more concerned about their clubhouse. Can't make it up. Seriously, can't make it up. Now, to the football this weekend. Jet game, it's not even close. Far more compelling. Far more fascinating. Far more intriguing. Getting the win against the Broncos, which was needed. And now they've put themselves in this position where it's okay. Can we now against the 1A team in the NFC? I'd argue San Francisco is the best team in the conference. If they're not, it's the Philadelphia Eagles that have everything you want a contender. they got a great offensive line. They have a great defensive line. They have a modern-day top-notch NFL quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who continues to wow me and impress me the more and more I watch him. They got weapons. They got speed. They got pass rushes. They have it all cooking. You're seven points on the dog in the game. How is the offensive line going to hold up without Elijah Vera Tucker? Is Brees Hall going to be able to build upon what he did last week in Denver? To me, training wheels got to come off. He's now six weeks into the season. He's got to be touching the ball a ton. And can the Jet defense slow down a unit that is top-notch and well-coached across the board? The Jets stabilize things by winning that game in Denver. But what they can do in this spot, what they can do in this game, is all of a sudden raise the level of ceiling, perhaps, in what you think this team can achieve. I think it's that big a game for the Jets. I really do. This is the sort of game you go and win where it's like, wow, three and three, going into the bye week, schedule eases up, get Zach Wilson that much more comfortable. And I think the Jeff fan be flown on air for two weeks if they go and win this game against Philadelphia. It's going to be a tall order. We know the Eagle fan is going to travel and there are going to be a ton of them in that building. There always are. And there's the history involved with the Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles, which you cannot ignore. The Jets have never, I repeat, never in the history of the New York Jets 
beaten Jesus. Think about that. They are beyond it. Is that what we are going to see on Sunday, late afternoon, for the nation to see? Big, fascinating, intriguing type of game for Zach Wilson, Robert Sal, and the New York Jets. For the Giants, it's avoiding embarrassment. The Giants are one of four. The Giants have looked like one of, if not the worst team in the entire sport. And everywhere there's issues. There's issues at quarterback, Daniel Jones, and what kind of shape he's in going into this game. It's uncertain, quite frankly, if he's going to play Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. And if it were me making the call, and I got into it, did TV a couple of days ago, buddy, like John Alba, new guy. And basically, John's point, we had a question of, do you play Daniel Jones until the offensive line is fixed? And his point is, no, you wait. I go, no, 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 no. This is about Daniel Jones getting medically cleared. This week, you give him the week off. Buffalo's defensive line, line is a mess, sure. The idea of sitting Jones for the remainder of the year if he's healthy is asinine. I, because there's no guarantee the offensive line is going to get fixed with Andrew Thomas or with Justin Pugh or with whoever they're going to bring in. You have no idea. And, and the issue I have is plenty of quarterbacks play behind bad offensive lines. That might be unreasonable for Daniel Jones, but that's something he's going to have to deal with at some point this year. Now, I do make the argument that for this particular game on Sunday, it might behoove the Giants to go and throw Tyrod Taylor out there. Tyrod Taylor is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's a good spot for him. This is his old stadium. He's going up against his old coach. Familiar surroundings, familiar territory. And look, with the way the Giants are constructed, line standpoint, weapon standpoint, defensive standpoint, it's going to be tough for any quarterback to go in and beat an angry, kicked-off Buffalo Bills team. But I do think for a week, the idea of getting Daniel Jones right, get the body right, get the mind right, get a little reset. Tyrod, you know this place well. Let's see what you can do, big boy. I am intrigued by the idea. Far more of seeing Tyrod Taylor in this spot against that ferocious Bills pass rush than I am of Daniel Jones, who looked like a deer in the headlights against the Miami Dolphins a week ago. And I think it's partially due to the protection. I think it's partially due to some of the hits he is taking. Some of them unavoidable. Other hits from Daniel Jones are avoidable. They are. There were one or two in that Dolphin game where I'm like, dude, get rid of the ball. Get rid of the ball. And then I see him running the sideline, waiting too long, and he's getting hit. Got to be smarter than that. Too important. And now that's an overarching question that's surrounding this giant team. A giant team that can't block, a giant team that can't tackle, a giant team that, statistically speaking, has been as bad as anybody. And now 14 and a half point underdogs for the whole nation to see against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. If this is a game in the fourth quarter, I'm going to be surprised. It may be a pick for myself or Joe Beningo in old school, new school. Uh, it'll be Joe, not me. Uh, as a little spoiler alert for the picks that are coming up, but a tall order awaits the Giants. It's 14 and a half point on the dogs. My goodness. 14 and a half. All right. Let's take some voice bells at 917-382-1151. Uh, Steph, let's hear him, big boy. 
Hey, JJ, it's Anthony from Tom's River. Uh, I know it's a football Friday, but I, I want to talk Yankees real quick. Um, Al Steinbrenner came out basically saying, like, he, you know, anticipates making these changes next year and kind of was like the laughing stock for uh, the past day or two about talking about, like, the Yankees players need, like, nap rooms and better cafeteria services or what, whatever. And that's all well and good. But the bottom line is this team needs to, like, seriously make a statement in this offseason. And, and, and it really comes down to the owner because he's going to keep Cashman. He's going to keep Boone. You have to basically, if you want to stop being a laughing stock, because that's what they've been over the past couple of years, especially with these, you know, recent comments about making the amenities better for the players. Um, you have to go out and, and, and get players. And whether that's winning a bidding war with Steve Cohen for, uh, uh, one of the Japanese players that's supposed to be a high pros, uh, you know, high player, uh, this upcoming season or whatever. Uh, you have to make a statement and, and stop being a joke over the past couple of years. And I'll say this, um, it's driving me and probably most Yankee fans crazy of seeing all this Bryce Harper success in the postseason when he wanted to be a Yankee. And we made every excuse, uh, to not bring him into, uh, you know, into pinstripes. But I've been telling you this for the past year. Go out and get Juan Soto if you want to write that wrong because this is another left-handed bat. He's young, uh, fits the lineup perfectly. And I don't even care about prospects or the page or, or the, the check you have to write for him. Go out and get him. Go out and, and, and get um, players that are going to make an impact and compete in the postseason, uh, like a guy like Juan Soto can, and obviously like what Bryce Harper is doing, because uh, what they're doing right now has just been an embarrassment. All right, JJ. Well, it has made the Yankees the butt of all jokes. It continues to be like Will Punesque from the Yankees, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, not showing serious action. They're not making the changes as far as personnel. Are changes in the uh, analytics department going to have you jumping for joy? Not me. Not particularly. So then it becomes about personnel. How are you changing the personnel on this team? We're going to have a lot of time between now and the end of November and early December and trying to transform what the 2024 New York Yankees should look like. But the lesson you're learning is, yes, spending on players in free agency can make a difference. Texas is a good example of that. But it also means you've got to have some young, dynamic players that are going to help. And Yankees are going to need the likes of Volpe and Wells and at some point Dominguez to help them out. And you're just cruelly reminded and you have been a lot over the last week. What a major whiff it was for the Yankees to not end up with Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was born to be a Yankee. He had the swing. He had the swagger. He was lefty. Fathers idolizing Mickey Mantle. Like, Bryce Harper fit the Yankees like a glove. Now, I was adamant in 2018. They didn't need Manny Machado. I remember having those conversations with people. I didn't want, I didn't want Manny Machado. And I think he fit the Yankees great. Now, in hindsight, would I have taken him over having John Carl Stanton for this amount of time? Yes, so a thousand percent. Harper was always the guy to me because of the balance and the lefty. It's what they needed. And the Yankees had no interest. I'm sure you, you saw that tweet that went viral uh, from Brian Hope back in the winter of 2018. Oh, we don't need an outfielder. We don't need an outfielder. Can you imagine that guy hitting with Aaron Judge in at Yankee Stadium, hitting big moments in the month of October? I can. I sure can. And it doesn't sit well with me. It 
will never sit well with me. All right, let's take two more. Yo, what's going on, JJ? It's Pete in Westchester. And I just had a call in, man. I, you know, as check in on your Yankees and Giants fans, friends out there, you know, check in on us. You know, if they're in your life, we're, we're in a dark place right now, man. We really are. You know, it's hard to know where to start as a sports fan of these two teams, as a fan of these two teams. It's, it's just, it's not been a fun year. It's not been a fun year. You know, I guess looking at the Giants here, you know, you look at these first six games, you know, obviously the six coming up this weekend, Sunday night in Buffalo. And you think about these first six and you got four of them against teams that are legitimate, legitimate potential Super Bowl contenders or teams that could potentially win their respective conference. You know, obviously in Dallas, San Francisco, Miami, and uh, and Buffalo. And then if that's not enough for you, three of those four are on the road. And if that's not enough for you, one of them is on Thursday night after a short week where you're already on the West Coast spending a whole week in a hotel room on the West Coast in Arizona. Oh, yeah, and then, by the way, Miami and Buffalo are back-to-back weeks on the road. So we should have probably known better that, you know, we were going to probably be looking at a potentially two and four at best, maybe one. Obviously, we're going to be looking at a one and five football team here very soon. So we probably should have known better. But what we what we could not have expected is just what has gone on with this team this year. I mean, this is a team that looks like it belongs at, you know, the college level, maybe at best. You know, how are we still talking about the offensive line in 2023? How do we turn on our, our TV every Sunday, Monday, Thursday night and watch a team that, you close your eyes, you know, or you, you don't pay attention to your calendar. This could be a team that it could be any year between fucking 2013 and 2021, excusing last year, obviously. But I mean, how is this, how is this possible? How could we still be this bad on our fourth or third or fourth regime, whatever you want to call it? And it, it just boggles the mind. And it's, it's really tough to take. It really is. And I don't really have an overarching point here or a grand, uh, you know, conclusion, but. Just the fact that this is this is painful, man. This really is. And now you got your quarterback who you just paid. Now he's hurt. He might not even play. And honestly, he probably shouldn't play. He probably should not be out there until Andrew Thomas is back and John Michael Schmitz is back at center. Let's be honest for a second. What is the upside to putting Daniel Jones out there Sunday night against Buffalo? There's none. There's absolutely none. There's no there's no possible reason that you should want him out there. And as for the Yankees, well, what can we say that's not already been said? We're going to be dealing with the same exact team next year. Man, I hope the Knicks are good. Hope the Islanders are good. Take care, man. Thanks. You know, Pete, this football season in many ways has really started to mirror what we saw with the baseball season. High expectations, a whole lot of hopes and dreams, and many of them have come crashing down for a variety of different reasons. The Giants, you nailed the perfect profile. They were a team that was set up to regress from a scheduling standpoint, from an overachieving standpoint from a year ago, to winning a lot of close games, having the first-year coach bump, having a lot of things just go right. A lot of things go right. This year, that has not been the case. Schedule's tougher. But you thought, okay, they added offensive firepower. Table's really good. The conference is weak. There's, there's opportunity there. One and four, there hasn't been. And... The harsh reality is we're probably going to be sitting here on Sunday night talking about the one and five New York Giants. Getting ready for the Commanders next Sunday. Yeah, the Knicks better be good. I'll be betting they're over at 44 or 45 and a half, but yeah, the Knicks better be good. Let's take one more. AJ, Charlie Elmer's calling. Uh, try to go quickly as possible. Yesterday bothered me to no end. Number one, Bryce Harper, how the hell he's not a freaking Yankee with his Taylor made. Yankee Stadium swing, what could have been, and biggest Yankee front office malpractice, 
the biggest cashman ignorance of all time. Like, just, I can't stand it. But to see him hitting bombs with the Phillies in big October games against the Braves, as we see that series is 2-1, uh, just put a nun in my stomach and what could have been, what should have been. Um, just bother me to no end. Number two, don't tell me to all the Yankee, Yankee iPad clowns out there. Don't tell me the managers, the real managers don't matter. You're going to see in this upcoming ALCS matches between the Rangers and the Astros, led by and from both sides, Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy, who are both are going to the Hall of Fame, by the way. Uh, like both teams experience their, you know, turbulences, struggles, injuries, um, roller coaster rides throughout the course of the season. And don't tell, and that, those managers, these respective managers, uh, know, knew how to galvanize the team during their, you know, roller coaster rides and struggles throughout the season. And they let, let us to this point. Like the Rangers were like a, of this franchise the last couple of years. Bruce Bochy comes in, you know, winning franchise, know how to win in October. He knows how to, you know, put together, you know, the, during the course of the season of struggles, on and on it goes. The Astros, I hate them. I can't, I can't stand them, but you have to acknowledge them. Acknowledge them by, acknowledge them by, you know, they become a model, you know, consistent franchise knows how to win October and they know how to like run their operation much better. Of course, all out the Yankees, they stink, stink. Uh, so it's going to bother me to know when number three, Yankee owner spoke. We're going to make some changes, some maybe more subtle. But I think we uncover certain things we can do better. What? JJ is something about nothing, something about nothing. Uh, so. Like, proof is on the pudding, Yankee owner. I mean, if you watch the game from July to August, where this team completely on a shit hell? I don't think so. Garbage Cashman put together a still conceived roster, da da da, on and on and goes, et cetera. The loser managers ain't the manager. He doesn't know how to manage, you know, manage a pitching staff, on and on and goes. He's just a clown. He's a soft ass clown. I can't stand it. Uh, Yankee owner, I don't believe you at all. Uh, you're a liar until proven otherwise, and a and you're disgracing the father's legacy. No doubt. Uh, hope you lay, that's it. I uh, hope you lay with the Astros in game four because I have to do it. I'm fine. Like, I had to do it. So I cashed that in, but yeah, it was painful. But, uh, hope it goes well, JJ, because Yankee land, uh, thanks. It's thanks. And it's going to bother me. All right, man. See ya. Love you, Charlie. You know, Charlie is speaking in a way that is very representative of how the Yankee fan is feeling right about now. And this would be, and I don't have this opportunity, but, you know, maybe at some point it will happen. Not with Hal, I doubt it. Hal doesn't come out of his cocoon. But if I could get in front of somebody within the Yankee organization, a Randy Levine, or a Lantros, then with Randy, you know, Randy grew through the Georgias. You would think that these guys would see these ridiculous PR statements the play on the field, the results, and would be like enraged beyond belief. But it's it's this sense of entitlement and better than type of behavior from the Yankees when it's not constituted. Yankee fan does not like the direction of ownership, the GM, the manager on the team. They don't. Now, can they be won over? Of course. Can I be won over? Yeah, of course. But why should I have confidence going into the offseason? that anything is going to look drastically different. I mean, you're going to tell me the Yankees are going to be a little bit better next year? Yeah, I could live in that world. Sure. Let me see the Yankees act like the Yankees again. 
In order to get me excited in some way, Yankees need to start acting like the Yankees again. So, a lot of disgruntled, ticked off, angry Yankee fans. It's crazy how that dynamic has really flipped and has changed. Uh, I want to hit on this quickly before we go to all the Football Friday stuff. Um, I don't like weighing in on issues a ton where, you know, I'm not the most informed or I'm the most savant. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on what's going on in the Middle East. I'm not. But the images to come out of Israel over the last few days, horrifying doesn't begin to describe it. Gut-wrenching does not begin to describe it. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. So it's a situation I know is very complicated. But what's not complicated is slaughtering babies and children. That's that's not complicated. That's that's vicious. That's disgusting. That's it's beyond repair. And you think about all the Israelis affected. You think about the innocent keyword innocent Palestinian people who are going to be impacted by these thugs in Hamas. Disgusting. And I followed it a lot over the last couple of days. It's, t- it's tough to wrap your head around. So I-, I wanted to throw that in there. We're thinking of a whole lot of people. The Israelis, the innocent Palestinians, and what's going to come over the next few weeks, months, and years after that. Disturbing, just nauseating. Like, oh, just, it really puts a knot in my stomach. So I want to let you know, I'm thinking of you. All right, on a much lighter note, all the Football Friday stuff. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And for me, a couple stand out this week. The Bucks getting three and a hook. Baker Mayfield playing good ball. Feisty defense. Detroit do for a little bit of a letdown here. Like the Bucks getting the points and the Colts have been my darling all year. You got the Jags after back-to-back games in London. Sign me up. Give me Indy plus those points. But the stash, Gardner Minshew. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options and some great new product features like the Explore tab for the simplest way to bet. The Parlay Hub to see what is trending now. A ton of new live betting options and more. And FanDuel is now live in Kentucky. Download the app now and take advantage of their great special offers, boosts, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash NYNY and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. It's now time for week six. Can't believe I'm saying it. Time flies in the NFL. Time NFL flies season, man. Just, just period in general as I welcome in a red-hot Joe Beningo who was 4-1 last week. His Jets go and take down the Denver Broncos. New lease on life. Joseph, how are you, my friend? I'm not too bad, bro. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, excited for the game this weekend, to be very honest with you. Uh, I'm going again, so I'm, I'm a little excited about that. And I think they have, I think my football team has a great opportunity uh, to really make a statement here on Sunday and really kind of going into the bye, kind of change the perception 
of uh, how they are viewed right now in the league. That's a really good point. So the Jets right now, without Aaron Rodgers, are two and three. They desperately needed that game in Denver. We talked about it last week. And if you watch the end of the first half, the way they screwed up the clock, I'm saying that's going to come back to bite them in the ass. Then late in the game, after the Brees Hall run, after Zach kind of stabilizes, didn't play great, didn't play terribly, kind of played a so-so game, throws that hideous interception to Patrick Sertan, where I thought with the Broncos only being down three, and then they're getting the ball, here it comes. The Broncos are going to tie this game. They're going to win this game. And this is going to be a hideous jet loss. Joe, we give this defense a lot of grief and agita for not making the big play and not making the big stop. They made the big play. They made the big stop. And I'll take this a step further. I think Quincy Williams has been the best player on your football team this year. Yeah, no, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, he's uh, he's he's playing at a uh, all-pro level. He's better than his brother. He's playing better football than his brother right now. I mean, there's no question about it. You can make a case, uh, you know, you want to give me uh, Bobby Wagner or Fred uh, Fred Warner. I mean, he's playing as well as any linebacker in the league right now. I don't think there's any any question about it. Um, and I think the defense is coming around, bro. I think the one thing that has to be short up defensively, they always get off the bad starts. I mean, even last week, <clears throat> they get that turnover. They should have got a touchdown, but they get the field goal. And then Denver goes right down the field for a touchdown. And we've seen that early in games consistently. With the defense, you know, they're down 17 nothing to the Chiefs, you know, against Dallas. Dallas, you know, roughed them up, really pushed them around right down the field for a touchdown. You know, um, so they've made adjustments in the second half, but and they've only given up that one touchdown, and that was last week against Denver, and a lot of it was that bogus roughing the passive call on Bryce Huff. But I'm starting to feel a lot better about this defense right now. I got to tell you, a lot better. DJ Reed's back this week, it looks like, um, you know, I'm feeling better. And and the fact that Brees Hall, you know, it looks like he's 100%. You know, he's, you know, you never know. He could break one at any time, anytime. That was so cool to see. Same field he blew out his knee last year. Unfortunately, you lose Vera Tucker on the exact same field for the second straight year. And now there are more questions about the offensive line. Uh, but you know what it comes down to, Joe, in many ways with this team. We talk about the quarterback to a blue in the face. Um, where did you feel? kind of stand? Where did you feel after watching Zach look so good against Kansas City two weeks ago? Last week clearly wasn't as good. What's your temperature on Zach Wilson at this well, point? Well, I time? mean, look, I, my t- I gave him about a C in the game. I didn't think he played great. Uh, look, they left a lot of points on the board. I mean, they were inside the 10-yard ten, ten line inside and how many times they wanted to come away with five field goals. Now, I think part of that is the play calling. You, know, you get a first and goal on your 10-yard ten yard line, you can't be just running the ball up the middle. You need to do something creative, baby. If you're on a five-yard line, that's different. If you're on a 10, you, you can't just run two dive plays up the middle and expect you're going to wind up putting the ball in the end zone. You know, I, I think I got to see Zach get him out of the pocket in those situations. You know, maybe even some kind of, maybe some kind of bootleg runs for him in those situations. I, I, didn't, I didn't love the play calling when they were inside the 15-yard line in the game. I, I just did not. And you know the deal with the Eagles. They've never beaten the Eagles in the history of the franchise. The Eagles right now are an undefeated team. And I've been betting against them. It has not gone well. I had New England in week one, which was a loser. I had the LA Rams last week, which I thought I was going to get. I didn't get it. Uh, But you can make the argument, Jets catching Philly maybe at a good time off a West Coast trip. And then they got that monster Sunday night game against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and I also think there's a... 
there's a matter of overconfidence by the Eagles against the Jets. Now, I understand that these are different teams from the ones that won the 12 games, you know, 12 in all record. But I think there is a little bit of an overconfidence there with Philadelphia. So, like you said, might be catching them at the right time. Um, I, I think, Like I said, if they win this game, it changes everything. It's a monster game for them, and it's a monster game for the coach. You know, the coach really doesn't have any – you want to say Buffalo, maybe the two Buffalo wins. He has no signature wins. This would be a signature win for, for Salah. And as I said, it would really set them up going into the, you know, the post-buy end of the season with the Giants, the, the game after the bye. So, you know, it is a big game for the Jets, real big game. Re- a real uh, – really going to test the temperature of this team on Sunday. I really think that. I don't disagree. All right, Joe, four and one last week. Yep. You are Again. cooking, cooking yep. after the slow start. And four and one, I finally got your heads up. I'm like, okay, I win a heads up play. I go two and three. So for the records now, we have to five weeks. You take the lead. You are 13, 11 and one after a four and one week. I am 11, 13 and one after a red hot start. I've gone in the tank. It's said that two and three is improvement for me. But I give you, sir, the honors, the tee box, week six, old school, new school. Let's go, baby. Well, I'm going to go right back to London. Uh, I'm going over, I'm going across the pond again like I did last week. We both loved the Jaguars last week, and we hit on that. That game was should have bet the money line. That's how, 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 how good I felt about Jacksonville winning that game outright. But I'm going back to London. I'm taking the Ravens and laying the four against the Titans. The Ravens are coming off a bad loss to the Steelers. They were up 10-0 for a good majority of that game. They wind up, you know, blowing it late. Uh, T.J. Watt did some great things in that game. The whole, you know, picket, you know, hitting pickings, picket the pickings, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think the Ravens bounce back this week and, and lay it to the Titans, who I just don't think they're any good. Uh, you, you know, you're only laying four points. Uh, I like Baltimore a lot here. I, I'm going with the Ravens laying the four in London against Tennessee. We were together and united in the London game a week ago. Well, guess what, Joe? We're going to be together and united in the London game <laughs> for the go. second straight week. And I know what a lot of the trends are. Mike Vrabel is an underdog. Tennessee getting right, points. Right. I've watched a lot of this Tennessee team. They're not good, bro. They're, They're not, not good. any good. No, and Baltimore, I agree. listen, last week, they should have won that game going away. I thought Jackson got completely screwed. You had guys dropping passes left and right. Now, he did throw the critical interception late which ended up being a killer for them. But they should have put that baby on ice, and it should have never came down to that point. I like that Harbaugh is getting them out to London earlier. Tennessee's going later in the week. And I just kind of look at the Titans getting four as a square dog from a standpoint of, hey, public's in on the Titans. Public wants to grab the points. You know what we're going to do? We're going to grab the better team. I'm with you. I think Baltimore responds. I think they win comfortably. I'm laying it. I'm not thinking twice. Give me the Ravens. Yeah, we're even on that game, no doubt. All right, game two, I'm going right back to your team, and I'm laying the big wood, 13 and a half. They won for me. That game last week was exactly what I thought. They would play their C-C-plus game and still find a way to cover. Well, and think about it, Joe. They won and covered. Covered two touchdowns, might I add. Yeah. They lost the turnover battle. Three to nothing. Yeah. And they had a Pick six when they were about to go in for another touchdown. I told you this Monday, and I said it on my podcast Sunday after the game, and I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I wasn't trying to rub it into the Giant fan. With all seriousness, Joe, 
The Dolphins should have won that game by 40 points last week. I'm not kidding. 40 points. They should have put 50 on. No, they should have put 50 on the Giants on Sunday. I, there's no doubt about it, bro. 100% on that. So, uh, but I love them. I've been laying the big numbers, and I've been they've been coming through. And I like the, the Panthers stink. They're on five. Uh, they're, they're on five for a reason. Uh, Miami, it, 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 this to me will be a similar situation to last week. You know, uh, they probably won't play their A game. Maybe they're looking ahead to that Philly game the following week, and they'll still find a way to cover. Tua hit a couple, you know, the kid, what's his name? McCain, whatever the hell he is, the fastest guy in the a league. Chance, whatever his who, name by is. the way, he's going to miss now the next four weeks. Oh, he's not playing this week? He hurt his knee in the Giant game. That's a big loss for them. Now, listen, they're deep at running back. Most of it is terrific. Most start is good. They're yep. getting Jeff Wilson back, who knows that McDaniel scheme well. But this is a Chan kid. Joe, he might be one of the five fastest players in the league. That's why when they were talking Dalvin Cook and they were talking about Jonathan Taylor, you know what? They didn't need him with this kid, so they're going to miss him. But I don't think it matters either. I'm with you. They got a team. They got a team loader with track meet guys. Tyreek's going to make a couple big plays in this game. Like I said, uh, as long as Tua doesn't, you know, force passes into double coverage, which he did on the goal line last week against the Giants. Uh, I think they cover easy, bro. They're 13 and a half. They win by 14. You cover. Uh, I love Miami here against the Panthers uh, to get the five and one. So I'm laying the 13 and a half with your boys down in South Beach against the Panthers. Well, hopefully, Joe, my team delivers for you the way they delivered for you last week. I'm not going to go near it. I, I have been avoiding these double-digit lines. You've been all over them. For the most part, you've had more success than failure. All right, game two. I love the Bucks getting three against the Detroit Lions. And I know Detroit has looked terrific. I'm talking yep. Jerry yeah, no, Goff. Yeah. I'm talking yep. about their defensive and offensive lines. They look like a team that's going to run away with the NFC North. But Tampa Bay off their bye. I know we don't like the head coach. Neither one of us is Todd Bowles fans. We, we all understand that. The defense has played well for Tampa. They got a lot of talent on that defense. Baker Mayfield is playing some of the best football of his career. So I think you can make plays against that depleted Lions secondary. Lions, they're going to get St. Brown back. We're going to see about Gibbs. But I just, you're telling me the Lions now are going to go on the road after winning going away? They're going to win another game here and the Lions are just going to go 13-4, and 14-3, something like that over the course of the year? This just reeks of bad spot for the Lions, good spot for the Bucks. I think they win the game outright, but to be safe, Joe, I'll take them plus the three. Yeah, okay. I like it. That's a, that's a, that's a solid pick. Uh, and like you said, Detroit's riding high. I mean, four and one and you know, they look good. The only loss was that home loss to the Seahawks, who were not a bad football team either. All right, game three, I'm taking the Rams and laying seven at home against the Cardinals. I also, because I've used Buffalo, because I've used uh, your team, you know, because I've used now the 49ers, the Rams are my knockout pick. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> I'm laying I'm laying the seven against the Cardinals. I'm not, the Rams are two and two. I, they're better. They're playing better football than I thought they would. They gave the Eagles a game last week, even though they wound up not covering when all is said and done, as you already pointed out. Uh, you know, uh, showed me something in blowing that lead to the Colts the week before and still finding a way to win the game in overtime. I think McVay, now Cooper Cup is back. You got the other kid, Puha, whatever his name is, a wide receiver. Puka. You two, you know, Puka. Puha. Two big, two big weapons there for, uh, for Stafford. I, 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 I like the coaching job McVay's doing. The Cardinals, to me, are not any good. They got that one win. Somehow over Dallas, should have beat the Giants, whatever. Um, 
I like the Rams laying seven at home against the Cardinals. I'm not going to fight you on that. It almost seems a little too good to be true, but uh, I'm not taking the Cardinals, especially after what I saw last week. Game three, Joe, this is my favorite bet of the week, part one. I love the Commanders getting two and a half against the Atlanta Falcons because I'm going to tell you why I like this game a ton, Joe. Everybody is a prisoner of what they saw the week prior. And I think the lasting image for all of us with the Commander is that they played a Thursday night game against the hideous Chicago Bears and got torched in the game. So now they're on the road. It's a two and a half point spread. Atlanta has played pretty well. They're over 500. I think the Commanders are showing up in a big way in this game. I do. I think they'll be able to move it on Atlanta. I think there will be points in this game. And I think you'll see a much more inspired game from Washington's defense, number one. Number two, I think you're getting them in a good spot. Angry, extra time to prepare, maybe an extra wrinkle or two. And I think this line kind of tells you all you need to know in the game. Game three, Joe, our favorites, the commander, plus two and a half. (laughs) All right. I like it, bro. I like it. All right, game four. I'm taking my team getting a seven against the Eagles. I mean, I, I, you know, that's a that's a big number. They're at home. I know there's going to be a lot of Eagle fans there, of course. There's no doubt about it. But, ag- again, this is a big opportunity for this football team. It really is. I understand the injury to Vera Tucker. That's a big deal. But they're not messing with the line. They're leaving everything else the same. They're leaving Beckton alone. They're leaving Tipman alone. And just moving Mitchell or Turner, whoever's going to be the right tackle this week. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, they got an opportunity to really turn the entire season around now. I think a lot of people would have signed for three and three at the bye with Rodgers, with Rodgers. So if somehow they find a way to get the three and three here and you look at some of what they got the second half of the year, that you got the Giants right out of the bye. I mean, uh, this, is a, this is a monster game for them. I think they're going to play well and the defense is going to play well. Maybe we catch Philadelphia a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe taking the Jets a little lightly. Maybe looking ahead to that Sunday night matchup with, with your boys. Um, I'm getting a big number, bro. Seven at home. I'm taking it. Give me the Jets plus seven at home against the uh, Philly Eagles, bro. So I like it. I give it my blessing. I'm not including it, Joe, as one of my picks because I've just gotten burned so many damn times with the Eagles. I'm sick and tired of it. So listen, if I had a bet on the game, you get my blessing. I would take the Jets plus seven. I like the pick. I endorse the pick. I'm not going to do it. Here's what I am going to do. Game four. I thought about Cincinnati. I don't like the fact that this line is working against the Bengals, and it's now down to two and a half, and they were good to me last week. I'm staying off that game. Pete Carroll's so good coming to the East Coast. Here's what I am going to do for game four. I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts plus four against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got to understand something with Jacksonville. Jacksonville has played back-to-back London games. So they played the Buffalo game in London. They played the week prior against Atlanta in London. And now they're back after being across the pond for two-plus weeks, and they get a division rival coming in. In addition to that, you have a division rival with a quarterback that used to play for Jacksonville. So to me, Gardner Minshew, And I know Richardson's been impressive and he's super talented. He can't stay on the field. He's got to do a better job of taking care of his body. Yeah, I mean, he's getting hurt in every single one of these games. I'm grabbing four here, Joe, in the division. I think the Colts have been impressive. I think they've been well coached. I think they're spunky. And I think they're in this game here, dude. I'll take them plus four. 
And I think this is a field goal game with the Jaguars. I really do. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Hey, look, the Colts, are, look, and I'll tell you this too, man. They're probably a better team with Minshew right now playing quarterback. I mean, you, you, to me, there is no better backup quarterback in the NFL. Oh, uh, he's the best. I, I would say he's the even, best backup quarterback bro. in the NFL. I, I'm trying to run through the guys to think of who I like more. And you would do you like Jameis Winston more? No, I don't. Do you like Tyrod Taylor more? No, I don't. Uh, do I like Mike White more? No, I don't. I'm maybe you know I, he's the guy, Joe. I'm with you. He's the best backup quarterback that the league has to offer as yeah, of right now. I don't think there's any question. All right, brought a, brought a final game. You know, you know, I got to do it. I got to lay the big wood with the Bills. You Fourth love laying the wood. I, I mean, I'm gonna start calling you Woody. Woody Meningo. This game, this game is got. Buffalo coming off the loss in, in London. This game has got 45-3 written all over it. This They will the dust the floor with the job. They will be, you know, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth, by the middle of the third quarter, they'll be, uh, I don't know what they'll be doing, but they'll be uh, trying to, you know, count how many people are still watching the game. I think this is an absolute blowout. I think 14 and a half is, a, it, this, the spread should probably be 20 and a half. I think they will destroy the Giants, who I think are the worst team in the NFL right now. I love Buffalo laying 14 and a half Sunday night football after a loss in London. Good luck to the Giants. They might be throwing you through a table with all these double-digit spreads. I mean, my <laughs> goodness. And there's no way I'm fighting you on it. The only thing I caution you on is that it's a Sunday night primetime game and that you are going to have every person in America throwing Buffalo, and rightfully so, might I add, in teases, in parlays. They're going to be laying the wood. They're going to be taking alternate spreads. And I actually think, for some odd reason, Tyrod Taylor, and I'm not saying he's a better quarterback than Daniel Jones, but just I think Daniel Jones at well, this he definitely point, his tail is we don't his know tail. yet. As of right, right now right. on Thursday, it's uncertain. My gut is, Joe, we're going to see Tyrod Taylor on Sunday night. And and, and I just think being in his old stadium, he's not as shell-shocked as Daniel Jones is at this particular point in time. Listen, I'm not saying he's winning the game. I'm not saying he's covering the game. But for a week, it might, who knows, jumpstart the Giants a little bit. But they stink. There's no way in the world I'm taking them in this game. And you may enjoy your cover. So uh, no way in the world I'm putting my money on the Giants after that Monday night fiasco against Seattle. My last pick, and I love this game. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's such an overreaction line. I had it circled the minute we started doing this. I love the Cowboys laying two and a half against the LA Chargers. A week ago, people were trying to make the case for the Cowboys. I didn't see it. The Niners are better. The Niners have owned them. Shanahan has owned McCarthy. And that game was an absolute ass whooping. Okay? The Cowboy defense got embarrassed. Dak Prescott got embarrassed. The entire nation saw the difference between the Niners and the Cowboys. But here's what you have to understand with Dallas. They're going to be a playoff team. They're just not good enough to play with the big boys. They're not as good as San Francisco. And they're not as good as Philadelphia. Well, we haven't played. I will say this. They haven't played Philly yet. So we don't. That's fair. That remains to be seen. That's fair. Uh, I'll be fair with that. They're definitely not the Niners. I mean, there's no doubt. Nobody. And to be honest with you, Joe, I don't think anybody in the NFL is as good. As San Francisco, the they are the favorites at the moment to go and to win, win the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Injuries no aside. Um, but I say this, forget mm-hmm. about Philly and Dallas because it's mm-hmm. rivalry, it's NFC East, whatever. The Cowboys are now playing a team 
that I think is far more on their level. And I think they're going to be far more effective offensively. I think their defense is going to be up for it. The only thing that might scare me a little bit is the Kellen Moore advantage, maybe, knowing Mm. the Cowboys and being their former offensive coordinator. But this strikes me as the week, Joe. Nobody wants to bet the Cowboys. You know what I'm going to do? I'm betting the Cowboys. I'll wait two Mm. and a half, and I think they find a way to get it done. And I have one correction here, Joe. I gave out Lions bucks at three. All line, I want to make sure I have this right, is three and a half. So I'm just like oh, so you get, on that one. So you're even getting a hook in that game. I will be getting a hook in that game. So okay. there are no heads-up plays. We had a couple of heads-up plays last week. We will not be having any heads-up plays this week. For Beningo, he's going with some big wood. But first, he's got the Ravens laying the four. He's got the Dolphins laying 13 and a half. He's got Buffalo laying 14 and a half. He's got the Rams laying seven. He's got the Jets plus the seven against the Eagles. I, too, am taking Baltimore. I got the Commander at plus two and a half. I have Indy plus four. Bucks plus three and a half. And then the Dallas Cowboys, Joe, laying two and a half. Nice. Very good. Now, I, I just want to I want to promote a couple things if I can yes. on your well, show. Well, I know you got, you got it. And I wish I was going to be there, by the way, because I'm in a wedding in Philadelphia. We'll be playing oh. golf tomorrow, which I'm fired up about. But what do you got coming up this week? I got an eight o'clock. I actually got an eight o'clock tea time tomorrow. Eight o'clock. Woo! Yeah. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on the golf course at 10 in Philadelphia. Okay. So, I'll be plus. thinking about you, bro. Uh, me too. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night at the uh, Hackensack Brewing Company, JJ's been there a number of times with me, and we thank him for that. Uh, Fireman Ed will be with us. It'll be a crazy wow, night. Wow, you and Fireman yep. Ed. Yep. 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 A yep. feud that has been resolved, and now we're doing podcasts together. Now we're doing podcasts. You know, we, we got together out in Ohio when we were out there for Klecko and Revis's induction into the hall. We played some golf, uh, you know, Kenny, our buddy Kenny Scarabaggio set it up and uh, we played with him and and we're good. So it uh, should be a crazy night with all the crazy Jet fans, you know, coming off a win. Uh, everybody should be in pretty good spirits and uh, getting ready for that Eagle game. So tomorrow night at uh, about 7.15 or so, Fireman Ed at the Hackensack Brewing Company, 78 Johnson Avenue in Hackensack. And one other thing, too, I'm doing a I, I want to put this out there. I did the first segment of it today. I'm doing a project. Okay, on my Ode of Pain podcast. A project? And, what are yeah, you in the lab? Are you working on a book? Well, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about that. I don't know. I doubt it's going to be a book. But what, what I'm doing is, and I think you would appreciate this. It's it's called by the numbers. And what I've done is, I, from number one to double zero. Okay, I'm going from one to double zero. Okay, the guy in professional. It's only the four sports. Forget about Pele and soccer. I know that. Forget it. It's only basketball, football, hockey, and baseball. And what guy, really, when you look at that number, who is that Who do you think of the most? So, like, number right. one, for example, I would say right. it's Warren Moon, right? Like, that would no. be the first one that comes to mind. Number two well, would be Derek you, Jeter be, for me. Well, I already released the first 20. I left it. The first 20 are out. So, I will tell you that number one is Oscar Robertson. That's who okay. it is. Okay. Before you my time, but I understand one. that. He won number one. He won number one, even though he wore 14 in his most of his career with the Cincinnati Royals. When he got to Milwaukee, he won number one. And that's where he wore, won his championship in 1971 with Kareem. Uh, they did a lot of winning in there. They went to the finals again in 74, lost a classic seven game series to the Celtics that year. Uh, but in one of the great six games ever, Kareem hit about a 30 foot sky hook to win it in overtime in game six. They eventually lost in game seven. So I will give you this that number one is Oscar Robertson. And clearly, number two is Derek Jeter. Better be, better and it, be. And it's, non-negotiable. Well, it, it's a non. It's a no-brainer. 
And really, the the low <clears throat> the numbers the low numbers are really dominated by, by the iconic Yankees. Of course, right. <clears throat> right. Well, who is number nineteen? John Unitas. Yes, has to be. Yes. Has to be. That's yes. one of my favorite numbers. Nineteen yes. and thirty three are my numbers. So that's why. 33 will be interesting because you're going to have some great choices for right. that. But Well, 33, 33 is only, it, it really came down to just one guy. Even though there's some choices for it. Let me just say this, and I don't want to mention 33 because yeah, it's not it. out. Don't spoil we're it. Only, we're only out 1 to 20. I will say this, though, with United's at 19, there were a couple other guys. Willis Reed, I thought about. And the other guy is Lance Orworth, the great wide receiver of the Chargers. But at the end of the day, no, it's got to be gotta John. It's got to be United. It's right. got to be United. So right. by the numbers, that's going to be yep. on your podcast feed. I will be checking that out. Right. I will. I, you know what I'm going to do, actually, Let me just Joe? tell you this one more thing before yeah. that, and I just don't want to jump on it. So no, no, the first fine. segment is out tonight, 1 through 20, and I'll be doing five different segments. So next week, next Thursday, it'll be 21 to 40. The following week, it'll be 41 to 60. Then it'll be 61 to 80. And then finally, it'll be 81 to the end. This is a ton of fun. And what I'm going to do, actually, at some point this weekend, I'm going to jot down my thoughts for Please every number. Because it's a different historical perspective, obviously. Little, like, right. I can give you Unitas. I can give you all the guys. Right. But for me, it's kind of like where I am 35 years or whatever well, it is. Let me, let me tell you this, and there you are go a from number. There. there are a number of guys who are still playing who are on the list. Oh, I'm I sure. Say that. I'm sure. Okay. So there, totally are, there are a number of guys still playing that are on the list. This is fascinating. I love it. Joe, hit him straight tomorrow. Enjoy yep. the podcast at Hackensack. I wish I could be there with you and Fireman Ed. And, and I need well, to see Well, you know what, bro? We're going to have to set you up for one down the road now. Well, listen, you know where to find me. That's an easy call. You let me know. I'm already now. Now I feel like the, the time has elapsed and uh, right. a J.J. Beningo podcast at Hackensack right. needs to happen. I like Yeah, it. we got to do it. It's been a while now since we got together. That's Well, sure. you let me know. Maybe we'll do it uh, right before that first Jet-Dolphin game. Maybe yeah. we'll think about that. Yeah, that's that might be a good time to do it. I was just thinking that as well, which, of course, is the Black Friday game. So, uh, Which I will be at. All right, Joseph. You enjoy the podcast. We'll chat next week. J.J., always all the love, my man. Hit him straight. Have a safe trip to Philly. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, you want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit Honda.com slash Prologue to learn more. We go from our buddy Joe B to our guy in the desert, Arthur Caesar, who hit his tees last week. Uh, he gave me a blessing. It didn't work out particularly well. Joe Beningo continues to be red hot. Art, let's break down week six. How are you, my friend? JJ, I know, man. I, I feel bad. I gave you the blessing. and It just, I don't know. I, I told you, you and I always align on these picks together. And I just, you know, I always feel better about your picks than Joe's, but We'll get back on track, man. It's early, and yeah, thank God I got back on track with my teasers. 
Um, last week, it had to be an all-timer for the public, and it had to be an all-timer in a bad way for you guys at the book. Accurate? Absolutely. And I remember, I don't know, it wasn't this past year. It might have even been two years ago. We had, when you came in August, and, and we were sitting down at Carbone, and I remember telling you, we get to a point in October where there's always a week or two in October where for some reason the public has a big debt and it, it happens every year. Every year I've seen it in this industry and it hasn't failed and it happened last week. You're absolutely right. Now, did we get murdered? No, but it was definitely the first week where we took it on the chin and we had no way of even bailing ourselves out on Sunday night or Monday night. And I think it's a lesson for everybody out there, Art, who, you know, is looking at these public games saying, hey, betting the Niners, betting the Eagles, betting Miami. There will be a market correction at some point. You agree? Oh, of course. There always is. And, you know, I always think we reach a point and we're probably there or maybe a week away where you can really zero in on three or four teams that are going to be not necessarily overpriced, but you're going to have to shade numbers towards them. And there are going to be a lot of bottom-feeding teams that we're going to have to shade against. And a lot of that happens, too, for us during, like, you know, money line parlays. Everyone wants to money line parlay all these favorites. A lot of times we have to be 20, 30, 40, 50 cents, sometimes even above market or what else is out there to avoid those things. And you're going to have one on Sunday night. I mean, you want to talk about massive liability. I, I can't imagine <laughs> what that liability is going to be like on a Sunday night for the Giants and the Bills. I can't. No, it's it's going to be it's going to be really bad. When when you have and Sunday night games are usually pretty good. And obviously, beginning of the year on paper, everyone thought this could be a good matchup. But when you have a big double digit favorite, every money line now maybe not necessarily all teasers will be going to Buffalo because. You know, what are you teasing Buffalo to? Seven, seven and a half on a seven-point teaser? That's kind of tough, but everyone's money line parlays are going to be finished with Buffalo Sunday night. All right, pal. Let's get to the picks. Uh, before we do that, if there is a stinky, fishy rat line that you want to smell out, what would it be on the board? The rat line, and and we usually do, like, what do we think's kind of the weird line or the trap? I think People want to avoid Tennessee this week. I think people are going to see Tennessee getting points. Maybe they forget the games in London. That's number one, because that happens. And then they're going to say, well, I'm getting three and a half or four with Tennessee. Tennessee, to me, has been weird, and they're only good when they play in Tennessee. And the fact that this is out of Tennessee, I think Baltimore is going to have a big game in London. I think they're going to really dominate Tennessee. So. I could see us actually, if Baltimore covers, making a killing off of that line because I think a lot of people are going to get suckered in to betting Tennessee. Well, that's music to my ears, considering that I am going to be on the Baltimore Ravens. So I'll give you my picks first. Ravens is one of them. I love them in the spot in London. Then the other four, I think it's a terrible spot for Jacksonville off the back-to-back -back wins, flying back to the East Coast, now playing a division rival. I'm grabbing four with Indy. And then the other three, I like Washington plus two and a half. Good buy low spot with them. I am on Tampa Bay getting three and a hook against the Lions. And then last but not least, and this is my favorite play of the week, Art, I love the Cowboys laying two and a half against the Chargers. How are we feeling? 
Wow, interesting. JJ, when I look at your picks, when we get to my teaser, two of your picks I actually tease. So nice. I, there we go. I, I, I love I'm it. a fan. I, obviously, Baltimore, we're going to give the check mark to. We already explained that. Indy, I'm with you. I think the whole thing, and you explained it perfectly. Jacksonville basically was in London for a month, it feels like. Granted, they did what they had to do over there, but now they come home. They don't get the week off. Indy, uh, with Minshew, I don't think they lose anything. I think they even might gain something with Minshew. So the fact that in a divisional game, you can get three and a half, four points with Indy. I love Indy. I'm with you on Tampa. I think this is a sneaky, like almost best game of the weekend because obviously the Lions have been really good. Tampa's been really good. Now the Lions have to go on the road. Tampa's off the bye. Be interested to see what happens. And you're getting three and a half in that game. Got to give the check mark to Tampa. Washington, I can't get behind. I, and I'm not saying I love Atlanta. I, to be frank, I did bet Atlanta to win the division. I thought that division was open. I don't love Ritter, but I think if Atlanta wants to see themselves as a team who can make a run, a playoff run, even compete to win that division, they got to take care of business at home. It's under the field goal. Washington, I understand, has been in a lot of these games, but I'm not with you on that one. And I understand taking Dallas. You know, you always like going against the Chargers because you never want to take the Chargers. But I think Dallas, once again, under the field goal, and we saw a lot of sharp money early in the week on Dallas. Dallas, to me, seems like a really good play. Four out of five for you, JJ. I like it. Okay, Beningo's picks. Mind you, Joe, going back to the well art with the double-digit favorites. It's been affected for him. He's doing it again. He's taking Miami. He is taking Baltimore laying the lumber. In addition, he's got the Rams laying seven. We got a family play with the Ravens. And then he's got his Jets, who I like. But I'm done betting against the Eagles. I'm getting burned too many of these weeks betting against the Eagles. He's got the Jets plus seven. So Baltimore, Miami, Buffalo, the Rams, and the Jets. How are we feeling? Obviously, we love Baltimore. Joe is amazing. He he does it. And we talked about it last week. He does well with these double digits, man. And Joe is very old school in the sense where I understand if a team is a 14-point favorite, a 13-point favorite, they're a favorite for that reason. And you get to a point in the season where obviously you're going against teams like Carolina and the Giants, and you can really lay a number. The Miami one I like a little bit better because it's under the 14. It's 13 and a half. Obviously, the Giants in most contests are 14 or 14 and a half. We have them sitting 14 and a half right now. So I can kind of give Joe half check marks on those. I love the Jets. I'm with him on that. I don't think the Jets are going to win, but I think seven's too many. I think they are confident off their win last week. Granted, it was against a really bad team, but they went on the road and won a game. And the Eagles, to me, I understand it's tough going against them week in and week out, but I don't know. Seven just feels like too much with the Jets. The Jets, Jets getting seven at home. The Rams, people are going to look at that number and go six and a half, seven. You know, it's seven in a contest. It seems like a lot. Obviously, Arizona has no Connor. And the Rams, listen, they played as tough as they could with Philly last week. Arizona's been good against the number, but I think that's not a bad spot to take the Rams. I think the Rams are going to be popular in the survivor pools, too, because they're going to look at a chance to finally take a team like the Rams. I, th- th- we're going to get weird here. This is going to be a tie this week because I like all of Joe's picks, but I'm teasing two of your picks. So you're both getting the blessing. Joe has five check marks. The only one with you I'm out on is Washington, but I tease two of yours. Fair enough. All right. Your teaser was a winner last week, Art. We're ready for a winner. 
Uh, let's get to 500, dude. What do we got? Yeah, let's do it. Two and three, long season. We're going to get back to even here. Tampa Bay and Indy, JJ. Tampa plus three and a half. I'm now making them nine and a half. And Indy, as we talked about, Indy's in a great spot here. Indy now plus 10. So the two-team six-point teaser. Tampa Bay at home plus nine and a half. And Indy in a divisional game plus 10. You know I'm a fan when it's two of your plays. You know that's yes, a tease I'll be firing. All right, buddy, before we say goodbye, ALCS, two classic old-school managers, Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy. The Astros find a way against Minnesota. What else is new? Seven straight ALCSs. Texas, the upstart. They win in the wild card round against Tampa. They take down the Orioles and overwhelm the Orioles. My goodness, the Orioles had absolutely no prayer and no chance in that series. Now I look at the series price, and Houston's going to be favored. They have home field advantage. They're a team that has all sorts of pedigree, right? Like, they are the team that usually wins these sort of games. Minus 148 for the Astros sounds about right. But, Art, I like the Rangers. I think they got something going. I think they got that Bochy swag. I know I'm going to sound like a damn fool picking against the Astros, but I'm picking against the Astros. But, JJ, you know what? When we talked at the beginning of the playoffs, you were on Texas. You thought Texas was going to be a team to be reckoned with, so you can't get off them now. Listen, this is a great series. Obviously, you know, you got the two-division rivals. You've got the great managers. You know, Houston is on a run of all time here. Texas proved, like, if you could get hot again, despite what they did at the end of the year, blowing the division, they got super hot. We opened Houston minus 150, take back on Texas plus 130. We saw a little bit of buy on Texas today, so we went to 145, 125. Listen, we have a lot of liability on Texas. We're really pulling for Houston here. I mean, we lose a little bit on Houston winning the World Series, but out of the remaining teams, Texas we get slaughtered on. So, We're really going to be pulling for Texas to get out of there. You know, eventually we might even get to a point where we kind of entice some people to take Houston at a lower number so that we don't get double ding on Texas on the series, on the AL pennant and all that type of stuff. I'm with you. I think this is going to be a great series. Now, it's funny. The home field doesn't really matter for Houston. I understand it's the playoffs. They were bad at home in the regular season, 39 and 42. And obviously they lost one to Minnesota. I still want to side with Houston. I think you're going to get Houston in seven, but I could see it going anyway. Um, before we say goodbye, we're taping this right now. Braves and Phillies about to get on the way in Philadelphia. Regardless, the winner of this series is going to be a monster favorite over Arizona. How big of a favorite are we talking? Interesting. So we were talking about that today before I left work. And I think both teams are in the $2 range. Wow, you think the Phillies would still be in the $2 range? Interesting. I I do, because I think the public support and the sharp support, but the public support for the Phillies is crazy because everyone saw what they did last year, and we had people, you know, piling up on the Phillies to win win, uh, win the pennant, win win the World Series as the playoffs started. Obviously, let's just say Braves maybe would be minus 220. Phillies might be minus $2 exactly, so... I think it would be that type of thing. But I do think you might get to a price on Arizona where people take a shot. But regardless, both of those teams are going to be over $2. Arthur Caesar, Westgate, Superbook, Vegas extraordinaire. Thanks for the insight as always. 
Let's catch a whole lot of tickets this week. Uh, or we'll chat next week. All right, big dog. JJ, as always, it's a pleasure, man. Let's cash them. Let's get back on the winning track, my friend. Pleasure's all mine. We go from Art the Caesar to our fantasy expert, my pal, Jason Katz. So before we say goodbye, like we do each and every football Friday, we welcome in Jason Katz, our fantasy expert from the Pro Football Network. Another week, Mr. Katz. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Season's flying by, as always. It sure is, and that means injuries continue to amount, unfortunately, and it means you have to make other plans if you're a fantasy owner. And this one is near and dear to my my wife because she took Justin Jefferson with the number one pick in her draft. Not ideal, goes on injured reserves, going to miss the next couple of weeks. From a standpoint of Vikings wide receivers, Jason, is it the Addison show? Or is a guy like K.J. Osborne now going to have some serious fantasy value? I mean, K.J. Osborne's fantasy value definitely increases. But there's a reason they drafted Jordan Addison in the third round. It's because K.J. Osborne just isn't it. Like, we know what K.J. Osborne is at this point in his career. He's fine. He's serviceable. He's okay. He's a rotational wide receiver 3-4. His fantasy value will he'll be startable in like, you know, with, with injuries and bye weeks. You can start him in like the, like the flex. But if anyone's going to break out and become like an every week wide receiver too, it's going to be Jordan Addison. So if you drafted the rookie, I'd be pretty excited about the upcoming weeks. Well, Jordan Addison is going to be a guy who could put up some big numbers in that Kevin O'Connell offense over the next few games. Now, a guy who's putting up monster numbers, and I saw him in person the other day, Jason, Devin Achan. I mean, you want to talk about one of the fastest guys in the NFL? He's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. It's not a season-ending injury. I didn't even know he got hurt in the game on Sunday. But he goes on injured reserve, so that means he's going to be out the next four weeks. Then Miami has their bye. Maybe he comes back right before Thanksgiving against Vegas. Uh, Dolphin backfield without a chin. Mostert, obviously, still going to be the guy. Still was getting a ton of burn and a ton of action, regardless of the fact. But what does this mean, you think, for the Miami high-powered offense from a fantasy standpoint? I think the offense is going to be just fine because Mike McDaniel is just a miracle worker and it really doesn't matter as long as two is there, he's going to make it work. For a running back, from a running back perspective, it's going to be Mostert as the lead back. And you've got Jeff Wilson, who's started to practice this week, might be activated off IR. I was a little excited about maybe what he can do immediately because remember when they traded for him last year, immediately when he, when he got on the team, he was right in there with like a 40% roll and then he flipped the, the split on Mostert within a, within a week or two. The issue is, He's coming back from uh, this injury that had him on, on IR, and he's already dealing with like a rib and finger issue. I just The guy just can't seem to ever be 100%. So now I'm not so sure if he's coming back to any sort of role this week, which means maybe in a deeper league, if you're really desperate, you could look at Savat Ahmed, and there's a chance that he could be that 1B behind Moster. We saw him kind of run well earlier in the year. I know he was inactive recently because they were using uh, the rookie Brooks on special teams, but there's a chance that Ahmed could be a deep league play this week, but it really just means wheels up for Mostert. I like the sound that I consider Raheem Mostert a big part of a lot of my fantasy teams. Just throwing that one out there. All right, Jason, time for matchups of the week for week six. Uh, let's start a quarterback. Start with my team, Dak Prescott. It would not surprise me at all if Dak Prescott was made, made like a mass exodus from fantasy rosters uh, after his first month, really, just to complete debacle. He's averaging just 12.6 fantasy points per game, a career low by far. But it's also been a very strange start to the season for the Cowboys. They haven't really played a normal game yet. I've had three blowouts in their favor and then two blowouts or 
Yeah, to kind of blow us the other way. Let's see what it looks like in normal game script, which we could get this week in a projected shoot against the Chargers, who are allowing 21.7 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. That is the fourth most in the league. I think Dak and the Cowboys offense gets back on track this week. As for who we're sitting, I can play this game every week with Jared Goff. There are two different Goffs. There's home Goff and road Goff. We saw home Goff last week. He was the start of the week, and he absolutely smashed three touchdowns. This week, we got road Goff. Once again, 13 out of the last 14 starts, road Goff has thrown no more than one touchdown. It's really that simple. 22.1 fantasy points per game at home, 15 points per game on the road since he joined the Detroit Lions. So, sit and Goff this week. Like the sound of that, because I am on Tampa plus three and a half. So hopefully your lean on Jared Goff is accurate. All right, pal, let's get to running back. All right, we're going to start James Cook. I feel like James Cook had kind of graduated to every week start territory. But after last week, five rushes for negative four yards, that that resonates with fantasy managers. And they might be a little scared, like, oh, what's going on here? Are we, are we trending more toward Latavius Murray or Damian Harris? Nah, I don't I don't think so. I think the Bills just came out flat. They were flying across the pond to, to London. It's a tough spot for them. They just couldn't get anything going. While Cook does not, does not have an elite ceiling, just the involvement of Harrison Murray, he should always be a strong RB2. This is a great bounce back spot for the talented lead runner against the Giants defense, allowing 26.6 fantasy points to give the running backs. That is the sixth most in the league. They're allowing 5.3 yards per carry and 1.4 touchdowns per game to running backs. Bills are heavy home favorites. They should be able to run the ball. And I think they bounce back in a big way this week as a team. And James Cook has a really nice game. As for who we're sitting, Damian Pierce. It has been a rough start to the season for Pierce. The Texans RB, he's good at football. He is talented, but his offensive line and lack of passing game work severely cap his upside. I've seen a lot of fantasy analysts out there calling Pierce a buy. I get why. The usage is there. The volume is there. It's, it's a great role, but I just don't see things getting much better. Pierce is averaging just 9.6 fantasy points per game. He's averaging 2.9 yards per carry and a score just one rushing, rushing touchdown. Is that really someone you want to start against the Saints defense, allowing 14.1 fantasy points per game to running backs? That is the fifth fewest in the league. Just like last week when we had Ramondre Stevenson as a sit-em against, the, against the, uh, the Saints, we're sitting Damian Pierce as well. Okay. Now, last but not least, wide receiver. Four is yours, Jason. I'm going Christian Kirk here, and I feel like fantasy managers might look at what he did in week one against the Colts, which was a whole lot of nothing, and be afraid to start him against uh, the Jaguars' second game versus the Colts. But that was a different situation. Zay Jones was active, and Zay Jones was playing as the wide receiver too, relegating Christian Kirk to only playing in three receiver sets. Zay's not going to play this week. And even so, Kirk has taken over that wide receiver two role. We saw that last week. Kirk is still averaging 14 fantasy points per game. That is slightly ahead of Calvin Ridley. And the Colts are allowing the ninth most fantasy points per game to wide receivers. I really like Christian Kirk this week. I'm going with old man DeAndre Hopkins. What is the opposite of point chasing? Point fading? Is that a thing? I don't know. But Hopkins smashed last week against the aforementioned Colts, catching 8 of 11 targets for 140 yards. Now, put him back on the bench. Why? Hopkins hasn't really been that good this season. Every wide receiver one torches the Colts. That is what propelled Hopkins to great feats last week. Other than that, Hopkins' fantasy point totals this season, 13.5, 8.0, 7.8, 10.3. That's just incredibly unexciting. So if you think Hopkins is settling this every week, wide receiver two, and he's back, I, I don't I don't think that's the case. I put Hopkins back on the bench this week. Jason Katz, our dude, Pro Football Network. Buddy, it's always a pleasure. Enjoy week six. Uh, buckle up. We'll be ready for next week, all right? Look forward to it as always.
That's our pal Jason Katz. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, back to reality after a scorching hot start. What do we got for week six? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks with you for week number six of the NFL. Now, last week on my money play, I lost on three and two on the year. Uh, I had my first losing week going two and three, super contest style. I'm 17 and eight on the year. And uh, head-to-head, I beat you uh, when we match up on the contest thing. I'm 2-0 against you. And we lost our family play when we match up on the Super Contest way. We are 4-4 four and four overall on here. So, again, 17-8. and eight. Let's see if we get it rolling for week number six. Here's my five plays. Game number one in order. My money play, I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. Uh, they're showing the Super Contest lines at minus 3.5 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Next, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals, plus the seven over the L.A. Rams. Next, I'm going to take the 49ers, minus the 7.5 over the Cleveland Browns. Next, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills, minus the 14.5 over the New York Giants. And finally, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings, minus the 3 over the Chicago Bears. Again, my five plays, my money play, I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions, minus the 3.5, the Arizona Cardinals, plus the 7, the 49ers, minus the 7.5, the Buffalo Bills, minus the 14 and a half, and finally the Minnesota Vikings, minus the three. And let's see if we got some family plays, and everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Cash them in a big way, except for that Detroit-Tampa game. With your money play is mono mono with an ice-cold play of mine. We need to get hot. We need to get it cooking. Hopefully week six will provide just that fun show will be back late Sunday night, very late after Giants and Bills. Well, we shall see if the Giants can find a way to keep it, dare I say, competitive. We shall see. Good job, Stefan. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1 888 or Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 100-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 100gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can. 
especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 